when we moved into this shopping center a little about four and a half years ago, our church almost overnight doubled in size. Part of its location, but a lot more of it is who we are, the presence of God, and the nature of what God's instilling into this culture, okay? So I talk about that a lot. I'm a real visionary, so I like to kind of paint the picture of where we're going, why we're here, what the purpose is. I want you to always see the big picture. Now, I also try to be real well-rounded in the various topics that I talk about. I try to be spirit-led. I try to be a good shepherd, leading all of us to the different facets and characteristics of who God is. And so I teach on a lot of different things. And you can listen to my podcast, the Rock City Church podcast, and hear several years worth of messages and all different types of titles and all different types of concepts, okay? And so I come up with the messages that I preach on a Sunday based on what I feel like we need to hear the most and the times and the season that is revolving around the church. I don't determine it based on the times and seasons of the world system. I determine it on what I believe God's saying for all of us right now, okay? A lot of times the messages that I preach are real visionary in nature. And the reason for that is because I believe you build a church on vision and leadership and the supernatural of God. I believe we need healing, signs and wonders, miracles, but I don't believe you build a church on that. You build a church on family. You build a church on sons and daughters and mamas and papas and bringing couples into the fullness of who God has called them to be. We rescue people. We redeem them. We show them the greatness of who Jesus is. And people can come here that are addicted, angry at God, outcast, full of shame, broken, broken relationships, broken marriages, and maybe those that are just disenfranchised from church and have never gone through those things that I went through or some other people have gone through. I mean, my hope and my prayer is that my kids never do what I did, right? And so we want to raise people in a healthy culture that never get wounded by church, that don't experience church politics or institution pollution. We want to raise our kids in a way where they want to be here but don't get pushed away or rejected or where they come to the place of rejecting and walking away from church. That's what we want. And we've got to give our kids and families the best fighting chance to do that. And so what should be happening in church and what should be happening in the culture of church is normal. There has to be a measure of what normal or the fullness of what normal looks like. But the problem is, is for most of us, we've not really ever known normal. Like I've never been here before. This is the first time that I've ever been in this spot in my whole life. I'd never been a senior pastor up until five and a half years ago. I've never been in this spot. I've never been where we're about to go in building a new sanctuary and expanding the children's ministry. Never been where thousands of people are going to come. And the only way that we're going to be able to do it where it doesn't become institutionalized is if all of us step into our identity as sons and daughters and mamas and papas. Because you can't program the kingdom of God. You can't program the kingdom of God. The church is designed to be a sustainer not, or to be a container, not a sustainer. It's just a container. But what sustains life is people doing life together, people breaking bread together, people experiencing God's power and love together, having shared experiences, going to station church tonight, going on mission trips, coming up to the altar, weeping and crying, worshiping together, 
going to homes together, doing life together. That's the only way that we can sustain the kingdom of God and fully go where God's called us to go in the right way. That's what I believe. And so we're building something and we're building something for what's to come. And I talk about that a lot. If we don't have a visionary mindset for the future, then we're going to fall short or perish. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Another translation says without revelation, the people cast off restraint. So the mindset is, is when I have vision or have revelation from God, especially all of us together, not just me, but all of us together, then we stay restrained to the purpose and the promise without deviating off course. The mindset would be in a, uh, somebody that's training for the Olympics. If you're an athlete, I was a state champion wrestler, which required wrestling practice for three hours a day, which just wore me out and burned me out. But if I wanted to be a great wrestler, it required a lot of practice and a lot of discipline. In anything that we do, if there's not discipline and training and preparation and restraint, you're not going to go where God's called you to go. That's why the Bible says without, it says uh, a man without discipline is like a city with broken down walls. Another way to say it is a man without discipline is like sleeping in your house with the front door wide open every night. And we live in Corpus Christi which I'm believing is going to change, but I'm not leaving my front door open every night when I go to bed, okay? And so discipline and understanding the vision and where we're going is critical. If you don't understand it, you'll want to quit or you'll get disenfranchised or you'll get frustrated or you'll get irritated. You'll really get mad at the person sitting next to you or the person an aisle over. And then the devil comes in to tell you that all Christians are jacked up and all churches are the same. They're not. They're not all the same. Most of you should know a little bit of my story, but if you don't, my testimony is online, but I'm bivocational. I own coffee shops, which by the way, let's celebrate together. My Porter Rancis store for the month of July set all time record sales ever, ever in July, which is awesome. And it's such a picture of redemption after Hurricane Harvey. For those of you that don't know, we lost the entire shop in Hurricane Harvey, okay? So we rebuilt better. We rebuilt stronger. I'll never forget the snowstorm that we had. I mean, that just was awesome. The snowstorm was awesome. Let's, let me just tell you, it was awesome. I mean, we were building six-inch snowmans. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> but hey, my kids, they'd never seen snow, so they were loving it. But see, the snow was a picture to me of redemption because the Bible says that though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. So God in his love takes what seems to be a, the worst possible situation in your life and then he redeems you. That's what God does. He takes what you burnt to ashes, literally ashes, and he makes something beautiful out of it. That's our God. And he's constantly in the process of doing that. And that's what he did in my life. That's what he's done in so many of your lives or what he's doing now. I can see promise and hope for your future. I can see broken relationships being restored. I can see marriages becoming everything God intended. I can see our children being wild, radical lovers of Jesus and doing it in a normal, awesome, healthy way. I can see them doing it all walks of life from 
even politics. Yeah. I just sat with our new congressman, Michael Cloud, who went to my alma mater, which is Oral Roberts University. Yeah, we both went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Spirit-filled believer. We got to pray together. We got to spend time together. And I love that. And I can only imagine what it would be like to be a pastor that raises up a congressman. Never know. You never know. Or a city councilman or a mayor. Because the point is, is that God is into redeeming nations. And I'm going to show it to you today. And I'll move quickly once I actually get to the message. But this is like the prelude. This is the prelude. Okay. And so if we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing, we'll, get, we'll lose track, we'll lose sight, and we'll get off track. So we have to have vision, we have to have understanding, we have to have knowledge of why we're doing what we're doing. So last week I started this series called The Multiplication Mandate. And I shared a scripture where it says that God wanted to cover the whole earth with his glory and the knowledge of who he is like the waters cover the earth. Now I love that scripture because we're the ones that reflect who he is and help people to come into the knowledge and understanding of how much he loves them and cares for them, okay? So the Bible says that the government of Christ would rest, or the government of the kingdom would rest upon Christ's shoulders. Guess who his shoulders are? We are. We're his shoulders. We're the body of Christ. So on earth, we're the ones that have the mandate to carry his power and authority to everyone we encounter not in a weird, religious, dysfunctional way like so many people, other people do. But I've learned to stop comparing myself with everyone else. I've learned to stop figuring out what the other church down the street's doing or the other great ministry. I've learned to not compare myself to the dysfunctional ministers that I saw when I grew up. I've just learned to love Jesus, stay in the word, love each other, and focus on the mission and the task that's at hand. Now, I talk about some of those things because that's somewhat part of my testimony and the same for so many of you. And in the world system and even in the kingdom system, there are a lot of people that claim to be something that they're not. So the best thing we can do is just be who we say we are and be authentic. I I actually thought when I was going to start this church that we would call it the authentic church. I really liked that name because what I want more than anything is to be real and authentic, to be who I am. And to not have to worry about pleasing somebody or measuring up, but to love Jesus, love people, and to spread the gospel in a normal, powerful, beautiful way and to keep it normal. Wouldn't that just be nice? Wouldn't you all just like that too, or am I the only one? Right? We make it so complicated, but we have to keep it stupid simple. Right? We really do. We have to keep it simple. And somehow religion and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of denominations and hundreds of churches in, just in this city alone seem to muddy and make the waters lukewarm spiritually. Yeah. But the good news is, is God is raising up a people like us. And that doesn't mean I think the other churches aren't fired up either. I hope they are and I pray that they are. But I know that not all of them are. So all I know is let's be fired up. Let's do what Jesus has called us to do. Let's get vision and understanding, get into relationship with each other. Can we do that? That's what we have to do. That's how we sustain life, okay? So God gave me a vision, actually gave Amber and I a vision. I've shared the story many times. We were sitting in Port Aransas. We had a little beach house with 40 palm trees in the yard, okay? I can tell you exactly where the house is. It's right behind Whataburger. So if you ever go to Whataburger and you see all those palm trees behind that, that, uh, Whataburger in that house. That's where we lived. 
And so we lived out there out in Port Aransas and we had coffee waves and we were doing really well. And I was being a campus pastor for another church out on Lantana and I-37. It was called Victory South Coast. And it was a video campus church. And it was really, 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 really hard for me because it wasn't my culture, it wasn't my nature, but God was calling me into it. And I'm thankful for that last pastor taking a chance to hire me from Tulsa, Oklahoma and bring me to Corpus Christi, Texas. It wasn't what I wanted to do. God had to twist my arm. I did not like Corpus Christi when I first got here. I think, I, I think when I showed up, it was like the record sargasm seaweed month. And so when I went to the beach, it was like wading through mounds of seaweed. I'm like, and I grew up in Miami, Florida and going to the Florida Keys. I'm like, this wasn't quite the beach I expected, right? <laughs> and then all there was was Starbucks coffee. And I was like, oh man. I needed a good macchiato. It was just rough. No, I didn't have friends. Camille, I didn't know anybody when I got here. I didn't know anybody, not one person. Understand that when I moved to Corpus, I knew zero, no one, okay? And so the Lord showed me, if, you, if I wanted to see culture transformed, that he was tagging me to do it. I've shared the story. I was driving down Crosstown, and I'm praying over the city. I'm like, God, transform the economy. Transform this community. Drive back the darkness, drive back the gang violence, drive back the human trafficking, drive back the child prostitution, drive back all the abuse and all the issues happening with children. So I have a real heart for children, obviously. And as I'm driving, I said, Lord, let your fruit be made manifest in the city. And I heard the Lord say to me, tag, you're it. So whenever you hear me say tag, you're it, it's because the Lord told it to me. And he said, if you want to see it, you've got to become it. You can't expect the person next to you to do it. So I said, okay. And so I got with the program. I heard the word of the Lord that he had called me to the city when I wanted to quit. I knew that God had a bigger vision and a bigger purpose and a bigger plan. And he kept constantly reminding me of the darkness that's in this city and why he had called me here. See, I came from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And before that, Miami, Florida. I grew up snorkeling under the bridges and going to the Bahamas and eating fresh lobster and snapper growing up as a kid. And I grew up in you know, with reggae music and Latin jazz, and that was my thing. And then God called me to Tulsa, Oklahoma after Hurricane Andrew. And when I got to Tulsa, I quickly learned that Tulsa's really, we actually called Tulsa, Tulsa-Rusalem. Because there's literally like 10 massive mega churches, Oral Roberts University, Rama Church is there, uh, Willie George, Church on the Move is there. I mean, there's so many giant churches. In that city alone of 500,000 people, there were 1,400 churches. That's a lot of churches, right? And everybody of who's who would come through at Oral Roberts University for these conferences. It was Conference Central, still is. And so when I got there, it was comfortable. I got a big paying job early on. I served, volunteered at my church on the worship team. I was a prayer partner. I ultimately became a youth pastor, but I went to the corporate world. I was making about $180,000 a year in the corporate world. I've shared this testimony before. And I came from prison. I spent a year in prison. Now I was, no, I was a nonviolent, I was a deadhead. I got busted with drugs going to a Grateful Dead concert. So I was a peace, love and happiness guy, right? <laughs> It's funny because now I'm the president of the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministry, and it's, we're specifically geared to outlaw bikers, and I was this peace, love, and happiness guy. It's just so funny how God redeemed that whole thing in my life, right? And so 
I love Tulsa. I had an awesome $60,000 wakeboard boat. I had 100 kids in the youth group. We cliff dove. We wakeboarded every day on a beautiful crystal clear lake right outside of town. It was awesome. And then God moved me to Corpus Christi. See, I liken those other places to living, to sleeping in a, in a comfy, white, goose down comforter. And I liken moving to Corpus Christi like a prickly wool blanket. But God reminded me, we're always called to the places that are, that are full of darkness and sin because where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And where it's the darkest, your light shines the brightest. And is it possible that God could just have happened to call you to Corpus Christi for such a time as this? Sure, it'd be nice to be living in Maui and eating fish tacos every day. Well, we can eat fish tacos here. But the, the, the understanding is that you, you bloom where you're planted. The understanding is that God cares about you and your life and puts you in a place for a purpose. And if it's dark, he's called you to be an even brighter light. If it's hard and difficult and sin seems to abound, which I know it does. I saw a recent report that Corpus Christi's ranked like second in the state for violent crime. So I say, let's reverse the curse and let's reverse the statistics. Now, I've been a part of many violent crimes already. I've had my car broken in too many times. And one time, I chased a guy down and wrestled him to the ground downtown who broke into my car. Yeah, I never told you that story. I'll tell it to you another time. <laughs> All right, you want to hear the story? I know you want to hear the story. See, this is where my wife's not here, so I can go off on side tangents because... She says, you always just go off on these rabbit trails. I'm sitting down. It's when Cats 21 used to be downtown. We're eating. Somebody smashes my window. Guy runs in, says, who has the Volkswagen outside? I said, I do. He said, somebody just broke into your car and stole a bunch of stuff. So I ran out, and he ran out with me. He goes, that's him about a mile down uh, Chaparral or whatever street it's on. And he's got a white bag in his hand, and that's all your stuff in it. And I could see him like way down. So what do you think I did? I took off running after the guy. <laughs> yeah, I took off running after him. Now, my former pastor was with me. He called 911, right? So he calls 911. I, I chase down, inter, you know, weaving in and out of cars. And then the guy, you know, turns on, I don't know what street it was, Tonko or one of those streets down there. And I'm sneaking around. And then I call my guy. And he says, I called the police. They said they're 20 minutes away. They're 20 minutes away, right? So, so I watched this guy go under the bridge right over there by Tonga. There's a bridge that goes over another side. I don't know all the streets. But anyway, he goes under, right? So I know he's going to pop out on the other side. So I take off running. And when he pops his head out the other side, I shout at him, stop. You know, I don't even remember what I said. But I didn't cuss at him. I know you're thinking that I cussed at him. I know you're wanting to see that human side of me, but... I did not cuss at him, but I yelled at him and he freaked out and he got, he jumped up on the bridge and ran across the bridge. And then just then the cop pulls up and I said, he's over there hiding in the bushes next to the bank building. So the cop pulls around, he comes around the other way, dives under the bridge to go down the street. I jump over the bridge and I'm screaming at him to stop. And I was pretty, I mean, I had some adrenaline going on. 
I chase the guy down. He throws everything, all my stuff in the street, and I pin him down to the ground with my knees. And then the cops finally come around. I jump off, and they tase him right on the spot. Yeah. So then, then the cops met, met me back at Cats 21, and the guy's sitting there in the chair, and he's and or sitting in the in the police car. And I'm like, dude, why'd you break into my car? He goes, I didn't break into your car. I'm like, I am pressing charges against you, and sure enough, I did. All right. Yeah. So, anyway, I know that Corpus can be a difficult spot and difficult place, but my heart burns for this city now, and I care deeply for this city. I really, really do. And my heart is to see gang violence and prostitution and people that are in solitude and desolation. The drug, I mean, drugs are so rampant and I know that's everywhere. It's not just Corpus Christi. Yeah. But God has put us here for such a time as this. And it's important that we understand how we're gonna do it and how God brings all of us together because I can't do it by myself and neither can you. So we need a whole army and it's not just a Rock City Church thing. We'll partner with other churches. We'll partner with other pastors. I meet with pastors every week. I have a pastor's meeting, or every month I have a pastor's meeting over at Coffee Waves. And I get invited to all kinds of things that I go to. I pray at city council meetings. I've been asked to lead prayer times on KBNJ. I've been asked to lead prayer times at the new soccer, professional soccer team. I've been asked to lead things at Whataburger Field. The more that we stay in the fight, the more opportunities we'll get to make a difference, but we can't do it without each other. And so I know we've had the child dedications and I know I just said a lot, but I'm gonna move really quickly through some scriptures and to help you understand the bigger picture of why God has mandated that we multiply. There's a mandate in the Bible that we grow and expand and multiply, not just as a church, but also personally, okay? So, in the Garden Commission, I quoted it last week, Genesis 1.28, God gave a mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, and to replenish the earth. And so the way that we replenish the earth is by continuously training, equipping, and raising up sons and daughters who raise up sons and daughters, and it's cyclical. It's not a one-time thing, okay? It's, it never ends. Let me help you to understand how it never ends, Okay. There are 7.6 billion people living on the earth right now. 7.6 billion people, okay? By 2030, in the next 12 years, it's estimated there will be 8.6 billion. By 2050, 9.8 billion. And if we make it to 2100, the year 2100, they estimate 11.2 billion. And most scholars believe the earth can't even sustain 10 billion. That will run out of food. That's what they say, okay? Now, I don't know if Jesus is going to come back before then. He probably will. I don't know. I'm going to live like he does, but I'm going to plan it as if he doesn't. That's, that's my attitude. I'm excited to be alive right now. Now, I'm excited to raise my kids right now because the darker the world seems to get, the greater the opportunity that we have to shine, and still the world is an awesome place. We were building incredible sand castles at the beach the other day. Got to take my brother-in-law fishing for his birthday. We caught some sharks. We caught some trout. We caught some redfish. It was awesome. I love the mountains. I'm going to take my family to Israel. I'm excited. I love living at such a time as this. Yeah. Now, if you live in the world of Fox News and CNN, you are going to be pretty frustrated. 
I'm just saying. It doesn't mean I don't want, I don't look at some news. I check the news daily. I try to be current on what's happening. But if you live in the world of what's happening at the White House, you're going to miss what God's got going on in his house. Yeah. I'm just telling you. So, it's estimated that every year, 83 million people will be born. So, it's not like the gospel ever, you're ever going to reach everybody. Unless we raise up a lot of people that are reaching a lot of people every day. 83 million people are born every day. Did you know that? 83 million and so in case you really wanted to know, that's 227,397 people a day. And I won't even break that down to the minute. Let's just say, while I've talked, a lot of babies were already born. <laughs> right? So you got to keep it in perspective. Now, I don't like to be a bummer, but I also have to show you the contrast. We have to understand, and I don't go too deep into some of this stuff, but, I, but some of it I make you aware, Okay. I think one of the greatest atrocities and the number one thing that causes me to vote in a particular direction is related to the topic of abortion. Because I believe and know wholeheartedly that God is pro-life, okay? I know that he is. He's pro-life. He wants to see sons and daughters birthed all over the world, all over the world. The number, the top two reasons why anybody, the top two reasons why people have abortions are they weren't ready to have a child or they couldn't afford it. Look up the statistics. Yeah. Okay, those are the top two reasons. Okay, you may or may not know that Nueces County is like ranked almost number one in the nation for teen pregnancies. Most people, it's it's estimated half of Americans that get pregnant got pregnant not wanting to. They weren't wanting to get pregnant when they got pregnant. Half. Okay, in the United States alone, it's estimated there are three thousand abortions a day. Now see the contrast from eighty-six million being born every day, to how many abortions happen. Roughly 125,000 abortions happen a day globally. 125,000 all over the world with about 3,000 of them happening in the U.S. a day. A day. So there's this battle for life. And God raises up an army like us yeah. to fight for it. Because yeah. I'm out to fight for life. What we did today with these kids, man, that was awesome. Yeah. I'm so proud of all the parents yeah. and all the families. You know, right now, I don't know, we run about 100 kids maybe a week here at this church. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds coming. Yeah. Hundreds and coming. And we're not the only one. I have friends that pastor other churches in town. Their churches are growing. Their children's ministries are growing. We're getting on the same page. The kingdom is advancing. Yeah. The kingdom is advancing. Okay? And it's expanding. The kingdom's expanding. So there's a battle for lives taking place every day. You guys doing all right, by the way? Can you give me a few more minutes? Yeah. Great. So every day there's a battle for lives taking place. Right here in our own backyard, Corpus Christi, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. Jesus gave us a mandate in Matthew 24, 14. Let's look at the scripture. He said, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. So when you get born again, you step into a new nation. So I'm part of a new nation now. It's called the kingdom of God. 
When you're born again, you're part of the nation of the kingdom of God. Did you know that? So you're not of this world. Even though I'm an American and I love my nation and I am proud to be an American. I was born in Cedars of Lebanon Hospital, Miami, Florida. I'm thankful for our flag. I'm thankful for our country. And I'm thankful that God birthed me in this nation. Amen. I don't have any shame about it. God knew where I needed to be and knew where I needed to be born. Same for you. And so God wants the gospel to be preached in all the world. Is the world a big place? There's, yes. In case you forgot, like I did, there's 7.6 billion people on the earth. B, with a B, billion. And more birth every day. So he wants the gospel preached in all the world as a witness to all nation, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. So every day, if new people are being born that haven't heard the gospel, that probably says that it's gonna be a little while before the end comes. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much time, okay? So Jesus made it clear, Matthew 28, 19, I, it's called the great commission. It's the mission that we're on together with Christ. And he said, go. So all of us have to be in a position to go. Go where? Well, if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses, and I'll paraphrase it for you, in Corpus Christi, in Nueces County, in Texas, in America, and to all the nations of the world. That's the paraphrase of that scripture, okay? So going and advancing is a biblical mandate from God for every one of you. And so the, what he does is he gives you resources to do it. He gives you the ability and the capacity over time with a little, and then he expands your capability. So when you're faithful with a little, in fact, the scripture, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, and I'm going to just summarize it for you. In the parable of the talents, those that were faithful with the five and the two were made rulers over cities. That's awesome. So you see that God gives you resources to multiply and duplicate, double it up, and then he gives you entire regions and cities. Now, I know this is crazy, but I'm believing for Corpus Christi. I'm just on a mission to see this city rock. In fact, did you know that the, the, the statistics for abortion are on the decrease? They're going to their lowest levels they've ever been. Do the research. Our prayers are being answered. I want to see the economy. I want to see uh, CCISD. I want to see Flower Bluff uh, school systems. I want to see Port Aransas. I'm on a mission to bring life everywhere I go. So I start coffee shops, build community, sell really good coffee, start an awesome church, raise you up, and then you go do it in your office cubicle, at your home, in your life, at your school, everywhere you go, you reproduce it. Because the only way that this is going to go where it's supposed to go is if you discover I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and then you become a father and a mother. It's a nature thing, not a ministry title thing. Every ministry title is actually a nature. Elder, deacon, bishop, overseer, prophet, apostle. It's who I am. Apostle is in the, embedded in the nature of who I am because my mission statement for my whole life is to help everybody I encounter experience an abundant life in Christ. Yeah. Happy, healthy, and free. But I can't show you how to have an abundant life unless what? You can't show somebody how to experience the beauty and the greatness of who God is unless what? Unless you, you got it for yourself. Yeah. 
So then you own it. Everybody say, I own it. You got to own the message. And you own the message by becoming the message. Just become it. Stop trying to measure up or worry about titles and positions. Just become sons and daughters and understand the, the vision and the mission. And God promotes you and puts you into the positions that you're supposed to be in. That's what happens, okay? So go into all the world, pull up that scripture, 28, 19. I want you to see one particular thing in here. Go therefore and make disciples of what? You think that's a lot of work? He didn't say, let each nation worry about itself. China can handle itself. Which, by the way, China's got like 1.6 billion people in and of itself. Just China. And it's illegal to proselytize. If you ha get caught with the Bible, off your head. Same with so many Muslim nations. We got some work to do. There's a battle at hand. Yeah. Tag, we're it. Tag, we're it. Yeah. So notice we're to, we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And we're going to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at the next verse. There's got to be training and equipping, discipleship. Not only are we to go and, and rescue people, but we're also to teach them everything that we've been taught. So when you get taught, you can then teach it to someone else. Okay. And not just taught in church, but taught by hearing God's voice. It's both, okay? Scripture makes clear that the only reason why Jesus has, I mean, I often wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because if I was Jesus, I probably would have come back already. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Because when I see certain news stories, and I won't repeat them, I don't need to. I don't need to use news stories. You live in, in the world. You're not supposed to be of it. But you all are pretty, for the most part, pretty smart. I hope. I think you are. So it's like, there's really, scripturally, one reason why Jesus hasn't come back. And it's 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord's not a slacker. Jesus isn't a slacker. And that's what the scripture says. So as some consider slackness means that the way the world sees God is as a slacker. He's not listening. There's all kinds of crazy belief systems that God just spun the world like a top and then took his hands off. And now God doesn't actively interact and get involved in our everyday life. That's so contrary to scripture. Just listen to any one of the messages at any time. The Bible makes it clear, like in the last scripture I showed you, Jesus go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, and then the last part, even read it, he says, and I'll be with you always. I mean, that ruins the concept that God just spun the world like a top, and that blasts agnostics out of the water. Because an agnostic mindset, agnoi in the Greek means you don't know. It means to be ignorant. Just simply, you have no understanding. That God may be or he may not be. There might be a God, there might not be a God, or there is a God, but we can't really know. That's an agnostic belief system. That is so contrary to being a son and daughter and what real Christianity looks like. Today, if you'll hear his voice, Hebrews 3 and 4 said three times, today if you'll hear his voice, today if you'll hear his voice, today, today is today, it's right now. Yeah, come on. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they'll follow me and another voice, a voice of another they won't follow. I'm mean, going to give you a hundred scriptures right now about the active involvement of Christ in your life today, here in this moment. Okay? 
And so, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord's not a slacker. I'll just paraphrase it. He's not a slacker like so many people think God is a slacker, but he's not. But rather, he's long-suffering. He's extremely patient toward us. He's so patient. He's the most patient God ever. If he can be patient with the stuff happening in this world, it just blows my mind, okay? And he says he doesn't want anybody to perish, but that everybody should come into the real knowledge and understanding of who he is. That's what repentance is. Repentance means to change the way you think. Because when you change the way you think, you'll change the way you live. Religion has it backwards. Religion says change the way you live and you'll change the way you think. That's like getting clean before you take a bath. Who does that? If you do, we're going to counsel you after. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. I get a hot wash rag. I wipe myself real down real good. And then I get in the shower. No, you jump in dirty. Jesus takes you as you are. Say, take me as I am, Lord. <laughs> he takes you as you are. And then he goes to work on the inside. See, the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world, everyone, everyone is with Christianity, you're changed from the inside and God's spirit dwells in you and you're transformed from the inside out. Every other religion is works based from the outside in. Come on. You can't do it without the spirit of God living inside of you. You can't do it without his help. You can't do it without being born again. You can't do it without accepting the fullness of, of who he is and his love and his empowerment. And then he goes to work on the inside. He goes to work on the inside. And it takes time. It takes process. When I gave my life to Jesus, I got born again. I got really born again. Not long after that, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not long after that, I went right back to smoking doobies. And I got high while I was praying in tongues for about a year. And sometimes I was like, if I had really good stuff, I was storming the gates of hell. <laughs> but then the next day I was hiding under the table with shame and conviction. People ask me all the time about weed and what I think and if it gets legalized in Texas and if they go to Colorado or Washington or any other state, is it okay to smoke it? I said, what you need to do is obey the conviction and the voice of the Lord. He'll tell you what to do. What, you're, what people are really looking for is a right and wrong answer from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you live in the world of to sin and not to sin and right and wrong, you're eating from the wrong tree. I just set so many of you free right now. I just set you so free. See, because... What you need to learn to do is hear God's voice and be spirit-led because to me, that's the greatest sign of maturity. And guess what hearing God's voice does for you? <clears throat> God's voice takes us to our final destination. You know what our final destination is? Rest. Because if you got to smoke doobies and get drunk, you're not resting. God wants you to rest. Today, if you'll hear his voice, there remains a rest. It's, I'm not even teaching on rest, except I am right now for a moment, is the understanding that God wants you to rest and not be anxious and nervous and living a world of frustration. How can you ever lead well if you're not rested? I'm not talking about you got eight hours of sleep last night. I'm talking about internal posture of rest. Like I'm having, I'm so rested. I have 22 employees. We own the shopping center. I have a four and five-year-old and my four-year-old is pushing our buttons to the max right now. I mean, he's fully testing and trying me to the limit, to the limit. 
I mean, testing me in every way, like not listening. I have some stories that I'm not going to tell right now. So the Lord is insanely patient and he wants you to enter his rest and he wants you to understand that there's so many people that are living without rest. That's how we were prior to coming to know him. This is an awesome life that we're called to live. Not a, a treacherous, boring, lackluster, brutally hard Christianity. And I want to teach that to my kids how awesome it is to live for Jesus. Don't you? So God wants you to have more. Every covenant promise from God included expansion, growth, multiplication. God wants you to have more. And the more isn't just stuff. Now, I have stuff. I have stuff. My stuff doesn't have me. God wants you to have possessions, but your possessions to not possess you. So God knows what you need and when you need it. And God even wants you to have things that you want. But what matters the most is what you're giving glory to with what you have and, and what your priorities are in life. My priority is not bay fishing. Yeah. I'm not a fishing guide. We have fishing guides that come here and they use that as a business. But my point is, is my priority is first my family coupled with the kingdom of God and then everything else I have is just a benefit. And I get to have a lot of fun doing it. And I get to enjoy life. I mean, I think about Abraham. Nobody came along and said to him, why do you have so many camels? All right, that's supposed to be a joke. So you have thousands of camels. You don't need all those camels. You only need one. All right. That didn't go over so well, but anyway. Go listen to last week's message if you haven't, because I really hit the covenant promises of God concerning multiplication. Deuteronomy 6.1. This is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments of the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. So think about this. The Israelites are about to cross in over the Jordan into the promised land. Moses reminds them to adhere to the commandments that God has given them so that when they go into the promised land, they would fear the Lord, fear the Lord your God, keep all the statutes and commands which he commands to all of your children and your grandchildren so that there will be long-term legacy. Just paraphrased it for you. So in order to have long-term legacy comes adhering to the standards of the kingdom. It comes with the ability to measure what, what God really has called us to do and become. It, it calls us to do it together because he says, you're going to take it and teach it to your children, your children's children, and pass it on down the line so that your days would be prolonged. Verse 3. So therefore here... O Israel, and even though he's speaking to Israel time, the same principle applies today. Be careful to observe all that God has called you so that it would be well with you and that you may multiply greatly. As the Lord God of your fathers promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. The, the milk and honey is the benefit of being obedient. It's the reward that God brings to our life and to our children. Okay? Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. This is written about the, the Gentile nation that did not have the original inheritance and the promise like the Jews had, like Israel had. And here's what it says. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing, cry aloud, you who haven't labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. I want you to see that word desolate. More are the children of the desolate. Here's how that works. When you were once desolate, God made you 
prosperous. More are the children of the desolate. God takes us when we're in our desolate place and he expands us with family and children. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations. And look at this now. And the desolate cities will be inhabited. You know what the word desolate means? It means lonely. It means isolated. It means bleak and dismal. It means miserable, unhappy, and all alone. And you know what? There are thousands and thousands of people within a couple mile radius of this church. Imagine our whole city and the nations of the world that are desolate. <clears throat> I was once desolate. You were once desolate and didn't even realize it. So what God does is he then brings family into the places that are dry and desolate. He brings light, rain, water, nourishment, and in turn, the places that were deserted now become inhabited and full of life and family. That's what's happening in Corpus Christi. So when I say, God, let this desolate city be fruitful, God says, tag, you're it. Then we reproduce sons and daughters and the kingdom expands and suddenly the desolate city becomes inhabited and a strong nation. That's what I believe, okay? So I want you to see this pattern in verse two. Enlarge, lengthen, strengthen, and expand. Lengthen, strengthen, and expand. Can we say that together? Say lengthen, strengthen, and expand. This is the pattern. So God gives the increase. We do what we're called to do and God gives the increase. Lengthen means this to me. More people are going to be coming. Many of you are new to Rock City in the last year or so. We're all really new. We've only been here four and a half years. But the point is, is that more people are going to be coming and staying. That's a lengthening. Every person has a resource. Every one of you, no matter where you're at, has something that God has put inside of you that enables us to lengthen. But what Rock City does is strengthen. We strengthen it through training, equipping, teaching, worship, and you also strengthen yourself privately. Okay, so strengthening is raising up a holistic church with spiritual mamas and papas. We become a fortified, unified front. We become a mighty army. We switch from consumer Christianity to a mighty army. Yeah. We're no longer consumer Christians. Come on. We become an army where we've come to give and to impart and to release. Yeah. So that's strengthening by faith. You know, realize this. I said this last service. Need is not what ultimately moves the heart of God. Come on. If that was the case, there'd be nobody poor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There'd be no poor nations. Ever thought about that? You know what moves God's heart? Faith. Lord, I believe. Well, so do you cry out in your need? Yes, but you wouldn't have cried out if you didn't have. Faith moves God's heart. So what we do is we go to the poor nations and poor people's homes and everybody, if I can give the homeless person under the bridge faith and he can grab onto it and stick with it, his life can change. That's what happened to the lame man at the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter three. Peter and John walk up and say, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I give to you. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. The guy rises up and flips the city upside down. Read Acts three and Acts four of what happens just from that one act of healing. Okay, so strengthens building a holistic church. Expansion, here's expansion. 
using our talents and gifts and resources to increase and laboring for the Lord and receiving our reward. <clears throat> you got that? Using your talents and gifts and abilities to work for the kingdom of God, taking what he's given you, whatever it is, and giving it back to him, and then God compensating you, that's expansion. So you're a promise for me. Amber and I decided to start Rock City. We're sitting in Port Aransas. We started in Fellowship Hall. 225 people show up first Sunday. In, in less than a year, the Lord gives us to shopping center. And then in less than a year, the church doubles. And then in, in four and a half years, the church triples. It's, it's multiplication. Does it stop? It stops if you quit. It stops if you quit for your life. Now, nothing can stop what God has ordained. Come on. My prayer is that I never go sideways, but if I ever did go sideways, guess what? The kingdom's not going to stop. God's on a mission. I just want to be a part of it, don't you? Yeah. I just want to be a part of it. I'm almost done. Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families, and he brings out those who are bound in prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in dry land. Look at this. Solitary leads to being bound. The word solitary means one. There's only one. And me, myself, and I don't count. There's only one. So what he does is he takes you when you are alone yeah. and he puts you into a family. Notice the pattern. Solitary leads to bondage, but families lead to prosperity. God brings prosperity in the midst of a family. But the rebellious dwell in desolation. A dry land, a desolate place. Okay? So, in closing, I said this last week. We don't have a harvest issue, Luke 10.2. We have a worker issue. Look at the scripture, Luke 10.2. Jesus says the harvest is great but the laborers are few. The harvest is great, the laborers are few. I might not have gave them that one. Luke 10, 2. So nothing can stop. The Lord of the harvest is going to bring the nations. We just get to get in line and enjoy the process with it and have a lot of fun while we're doing it because it's a lot of fun. Rock City Church is about to expand. This is not going to be, you won't be sitting in the sanctuary for long. We're going to be adding classrooms into the sanctuary, cutting it down to about this size right here. So we have a youth sanctuary, a prayer room, another meeting room. But this is all about to change. The wall on the other side of this wall is coming down. Okay. And at the expansion gala, I'm going to show you guys the new plans. You'll see them. Okay. And so I'm casting vision partly because I really we can't do this without each other and we're growing and we're expanding. But if you don't know the why, yeah. you won't care about the how. It's good. If you don't understand the reason why we're doing what we're doing, then you won't, you'll be disinterested or disenfranchised or just stand on the outside. Don't stand on the outside. This isn't about me. This is decentralized leadership. This is about all of us together as a family. This is about propelling each other into their own destiny, okay? So I want to have a school of ministry where we train, train people in all kinds of things, from managing your money to how you raise your kids 
to interpreting dreams, from prophetic evangelism to ushering, whatever it is. I want a whole school dedicated to training. I want a 24-hour prayer room where night and day worship and prayer goes on. I want so many things. I want to raise up people that will herald the gospel all over the world. I want holistic preachers. And I'll leave you with this, Romans 10, 11. The scripture says, whoever believes on Jesus, I love this scripture. I mean, this one scripture alone is a message. Right off the bat, when you come to Christ, he breaks shame. And you know what brings shame? Failures of your past, seeing the nakedness of your soul and all your issues. Jesus covers it in the blood, redeems you, and makes you a new creation. Verse 12. There's no distinction between the Greek, between the Jew and the Greek, for it's the same Lord over all who is, I love this, he's rich to all who call upon his name. He's rich to all who call upon his name. Verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now watch this pattern. Anybody that calls will be saved. Whoever, he's rich to anybody that calls upon him. Okay? Not with the 30-day money-back guarantee either. I called on the Lord last week. He didn't answer me. I give up. No, he, the exchange is you go all in for life. He answers prayer. He answers a lot of prayer. I promise you, he'll hear your cry. Just don't give up. I promise you. I promise you. Now notice, call, 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 call. Verse 14, how though are they going to call on him who they haven't believed? And how will they believe on him in whom they haven't heard? And how will they hear without a tag you're in? If you're just waiting for God, you know how many times I do this all the time and God gets me all the time on almost daily. I walk by somebody that's sick or hurting or broken and my heart moves for them. And I say this, Lord, just bless them. And God says, don't ask me to go bless them. You go bless them. Instead of praying for a door to open for them, you become the door. Instead of praying for God to touch somebody, you become the one that touches them. There it is right there. So this church raises up a lot of preachers. And it doesn't mean you have to be doing what I'm doing. It doesn't mean you have to be the typical, forget what the world says. Get past what the world thinks about preachers. A preacher is a heralder that's a newspaper. Think of a newspaper delivery for, well, we don't have much newspapers these days anymore. But think of a heralder that's a newspaper heralding good news to be read by everybody. Your life becomes a witness everywhere you go. Isn't that awesome? Yeah! Woo! Oh, man, my Americano got cold. Why don't you all stand? Let's stand.